All right, Ambush, today we are here with a country singer-songwriter who has been garnering herself quite a bit of steam, quite a bit of success. Her debut album, Backseat Driver, released about three years ago, two years ago, I believe, in 2019, actually. But it, either way, it saw her chart hitting number six on the iTunes country charts and she's recently released a couple of recent singles that have seen her not only return to the charts but also continue to find some new success and that is what we're here to discuss with my guest here today taylor ray how's it going today taylor i'm good how are you i am having a fantastic day even better now that we get to connect and talk about some music yeah no this is great all right. All right. Awesome. And of course, like I mentioned, you had, I would love to sort of start with that uh, first album that I mentioned because you gained quite a bit of success there. But of course, that was 2019 there. And there's a little bit of time between point A and point B, about two years there between albums and singles. So I would love to know what was sort of the plan moving forward? What was your game plan moving forward there from Backseat Driver? Yeah, I think Backseat Driver was such a moment because that was the first kind of recording I'd ever done really. And it was kind of just stepping my foot into like that side of the industry. Um, So I think like from that, I was able to meet a lot of people and make some connections. And it was like, it just kind of, kept taking me on this route of like getting into more co-writing and, and really figuring out what I wanted my sound to be from there. I mean, I had a lot of time to think about it in quarantine. So, so, um, yeah, so I just got writing like a ton and then kind of tagged up with a few other people and just kind of went with the mentality that the best song wins basically is I think kind of how you have to run a little bit when you're trying to like, you know, emerge and kind of come out of the background a bit. Um, so I ended up tagging up with a girl named Cassidy and she helped me out finding songs and kind of putting my songs to other songs head to head and seeing what, what the sound should be, what, where I wanted to be as an artist and all these different things. And so I think we really found that happy medium of obviously keeping my voice like the same, keeping that um, strength there and certain parts of it intact, I guess, but also developing into an artist that can fit in that commercial end of things as well, while still holding on to who I was. So I thought, um, yeah, with the most recent singles, I feel like that's kind of where we're sitting with that. Okay. Well, I must say it's uh, glad that you kept the uh, powerful voice because it's definitely something that, like you say, very powerful, very distinctful, something that makes you stand out. So I'm glad that you kept that, but definitely sounds like you spent some time polishing everything else around your voice so that you can make it stand out a little bit more. Yeah, I think it was, I mean, it just felt like I was just building on what was already there and working with Dan Swinimer and Tavish Crow is like, I mean, it's a pretty undeniable duo to get to work with. So putting those two people together and some killer songs and getting to put my voice on it was, was pretty cool. And it definitely helped me just settle into the industry even more because I am still to the business side of it and industry part of it, I am still fairly new. Um, so still just kind of like learning as I'm going. So having 
people like that to kind of mentor me through it has been super cool. Awesome. All right. And you, of course, mentioned being able to work with such acclaimed producers, which is definitely something that I wanted to jump into. So as an artist who was sort of just doing exactly that, developing and continuing to try and figure out what you wanted to move, what your sound truly was, how beneficial was it to work with that duo? What were some of the things that they helped you to learn? Honestly, I think one of the biggest things is not feeling like, um, like the least experienced one in the room. Cause I think a lot of times you walk into a room with people who have done so much and you're just like, Oh my gosh, I don't think I know anything. Right. And, uh, and so Dan Tavish and I always had conversations about, you know, like people can speak to you a certain way or, or maybe they don't know what you're capable of and whatever. And it's like, let that be just water off your back. Don't think about it. Right. And so I think it was, they were as much producers as they were kind of like champions of who I am as an artist, which I didn't expect to get from producers. Obviously you want that, but, um, but to have that kind of be the outcome was really cool. And I think they've, my, my level of confidence in what I'm doing, I think was really boosted majorly because of our time and our talks and, and all of that stuff. It was a really cool dive into like that side of things, I guess. Wow. So rather than trying to take you and put you inside of their own molds of what they figured you should have been, they allowed you to be the artist and they accentuated that. Totally. And I think, I think a lot of times it, it becomes, you know, the producer wants a certain sound from somebody and, and it kind of ends up showing where a lot of that producer's work sounds similar, you know, where I think you get somebody like Dan and Tavish who are, I mean, we were trying to figure out what to do in certain parts and I love to riff. Like I'm in a soul choir and I love like those big vocals and whatever. And I'm like, I don't know, like, should I try something here? And dad's just like, Hey, Whitney, it just go, just go. (laughs) And it was just so cool to be in a spot where it's like, this could come out so terribly or it could work and maybe we use it. And that was, that was really neat. Well, and that's the best part about it too, right? Is it's what's the harm in trying? If it doesn't sound right, you don't use it. If it sounds great, put it, put it in there right now. Let's go. Let's go. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No. So it was, it was really awesome. Oh, I love that. I love to hear that. And I would love to dive into some of the tracks that were born out of this process here with this duo, with this time that you had to craft them. So I'd love to dive into our first taste of this second wave of Taylor Array. And it, of course, came to us earlier this year with your single Hellbent. So take us a little bit behind Hellbent, what it means to you and just sort of what it was like to have this sort of this new sort of feel, this new energy behind it, this out into the world. Yeah. Hellbent. Um, I was listening to pitches cause I, I was really seeing if maybe using somebody else's song or somebody that somebody else wrote was, was the way to go here. And so I was sitting on the plane kind of listening through them almost skeptically just cause it was, that's my first go through it. And then Hellbent came on and I heard like the first line of the chorus and it's, I'm a hurricane. And, uh, my family always, when I go back to Alberta, they're like, Oh, here comes hurricane Tay. And they've said that 
ever since I moved away. And which I don't think is really a compliment, but, <laughs> but I'll take it, whatever. And, uh, and I heard it and it was just like, I've always heard how stubborn I am. I've always heard that I'm a hurricane, like all these different things that they're all in this song. And I was like, it almost felt like I wrote it, but maybe was articulated better from an outside perspective, which I thought was really neat. And I didn't really expect to get that from a song that I didn't write. So, so yeah, so I, uh, that was the first one I texted Cassidy and I was just like, hold that song for me. I am obsessed with it. And so that was kind of, that was my first dive into it. So then we got recording it, had an absolute blast. And yeah, I just felt like it was the perfect song to kind of come out of the gates with because it was a new sound, like an evolved sound, but still very much me. And yeah, I was super pumped about that one. Mm -hmm. And well, once again, it's sort of with that new sound, with that uh, hurricane feel, maybe there might be some negative connotations, maybe possibly to that. But how I would like to interpret that is that you're a force of nature. And from most of the time inside of the industry, that's a good way to hear things. So very, definitely a, a good force of nature to get things started here. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's how my parents mean it, too. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, good to hear. Good to hear for sure. And uh, definitely, once again, with that powerful voice. I, I think that it definitely uh, the description fits for sure. And of course, with this new single also came a little bit of a uh, lyric video that was sort of filmed out in the country, sort of taking you back to some of those roots, too. So what was it sort of like to put the lyric video together for this song? Um, it was hysterical, actually, because my sister and I we're like walking. We always um, just like chat while we are either like driving or, or walking around. We always have our AirPods in because she's in Alberta. And uh, and I was we're talking about this song and the release of it. We're like, I don't know. What could we do? And and I was just like, it'd be so cool if we could just get a bus. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you would do that. But if we could just get a yellow bus and then just work with that, I think that would be hilarious. And uh and she's like, yeah, that would be. And we kind of just left it there. And then she texted me a couple hours later. She's like, okay. So I talked to my friend and she talked to her friend who talked to her mom and she has a yellow school bus. I'm like, <laughs> You're kidding me. So it was like the, it was the weirdest thing and just like, just worked out. Um, but we're like, okay, whatever. Let's base this entire thing around a bus and, uh, and see what happens. And we ended up like the film crew, everybody, it just, it worked out so well with a very little amount of organizational effort, which is not usually how that goes. So it's like, maybe it's meant to be, it was great. It was super fun. Um, but yeah, so I, yeah, I think it was just a, a great group of people that is really just willing to help, which was, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. And I love how also just like with the bus driving down the road and like, sure, it's, you can't really like, create a hurricane but it's like even just like seeing like the swirling smoke and just like the weather on that day and everything too sort of just like adds to the uh energy of everything as well yeah i thought it i thought it was really cool like i obviously i've filmed certain things before and it's you're kind of getting the job done and whatever but i think with the song and then us just like ripping around in a bus and all this stuff it was like the entire day we just had such a great time and 
it was it was really fun and i think it was kind of conveyed in the video as well which was sweet awesome i love that i love that and of course the track recently surpassed 200,000 plays there on streaming services which is something that you actually had put down on a little bit of a dream board a vision board that you uh, posted about recently on social media so after visualizing that moment what was it like to finally uh reach that milestone there it was really cool actually my uh my mom and i because i think i mean with i think artists as a whole you you just never know what's going to happen with a song especially emerging you're like just crossing your fingers basically and uh and my mom is one day is like tay chill out the song is out we're gonna see what see what happens um and she just grabbed a bunch of pieces of cardboard we just started pasting stuff all over it and I remember making the 200,000 stream like goal. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to happen, but whatever. Pasted it on there. And then, yeah, a few weeks ago, I woke up and we were over 200,000 streams. And it was super cool. I feel like it's it's a nice little bit of validation to know that what you're doing is being received the way you wanted it to. So, yeah, it was really, really cool. Awesome. Fantastic. And of course, like we mentioned earlier, this also saw you return to those iTunes charts, those very uh, important things, those metrics for artists by hitting number 11. And of course, your latest single has already surpassed that mark in terms of the Canadian charts with number three, as far as I can tell, is where it currently sits. The song has been out for less than 10 days as of the or just over 10 days as of the recording of this interview. So number three on the Canadian charts, number 29 overall was the last number that I saw it sitting at otherwise. So how exciting is it for your new single to already be garnering so much steam here with Are You Still Up? It was so cool. I actually don't know how that happened. (laughs) But when I woke up, like morning of, I was bouncing off the walls. Very literally, I was so pumped because I really wanted Hellbent got to 11. And I'm like, I wasn't even expecting to be top 40, let alone, you know, almost at top 10. And I was like, oh my God, this is killing me. We're almost at top 10, but we just missed it. You know, your standards standards are always changing, right? But um, so then I was like, okay, are you still up? Let's go for top 10 and we'll see what happens. And uh, and then I woke up to texts from my mom, my dad, my sister. Everybody's like, oh my God. Hey, you're at number three. I'm like, what? <laughs> How's that? How they know everything before I do. They're an hour ahead too, so they get up before I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was super cool. I I don't know how how we pulled that off, to be honest with you, because I think uh I find normally when you start releasing music, you see kind of the biggest hit from the um, or like most success right off the bat with the first one, because people aren't tired of hearing you pump a song yet, you know? And I think as you keep going, people are like, oh, I just pre-saved her last one, or I just pre-ordered it. Um, so to see it, to see it come out of the gates the way it did was, was pretty incredible. Whoa, absolutely. It's uh, like you said, to break top three, or like to get 11 is pretty big. And then like, oh, my, it may be top 10, right? And then top three which is like not just top five like top dang three is like pretty dang exciting for this latest track which is also a fantastic 
listen as well. And I'd love to dive a little bit further into Are You Still Up? What it means to you? What was sort of the energy you were trying to capture with this one here? Yeah, I mean, are you still up? And I find this all the time. Like I always have the windows open because I love everything to be like really bright and airy. And I think at nighttime, it's you really feel like you're kind of closed in a little bit, right? So I think when you're making decisions at night or anything, everything feels a little bit heavier. Um, and so I think we kind of wanted to create that angst in the song. Um, but also you're like, feel tense, but you're also like, I can't really do anything about it right now because it's so late <laughs> um, and the world is asleep, you know? So then there's that line in the song that says basically that I'll be okay once the sun rises. And I just think that's such a fact. I, the second you wake up the next day, you're like, good thing I didn't make any dumb decisions on a whim last night. <laughs> I'm feeling more sound minded. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I felt like with the song, we really kind of created that like angsty build, but and I honestly, the way that Tavish and Dan did it, it kind of kept it feeling so full, but also the way the drums fit and everything, it still has that kind of like lonely feel to it, which I think is really neat. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of felt like we ended up getting the best of both worlds with that song where you have it being so full and angsty, but also feeling a little bit empty. Very, very much so, because with it also having that breakup energy, too, it's definitely a lot of that where maybe a piece of yourself or a piece of what has become yourself is maybe missing, too, which adds to that emptiness. And just it's I really love how everything really just adds in to exactly that, that emotion of just like that late night feeling of just like, oh my goodness. It's like, oh, well, like normally you just message a friend, but like this could be 2 a.m. and you're sitting there and it's like, okay, well, my friend's not awake and I'm close to making a terrible decision. Who's going to save me from doing that? Yeah, somebody stop me. Yeah. <laughs> Handcuff myself to the radiator and throw the phone across the room. All right, let's go. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it so much. And of course, we mentioned there's been quite a bit of reception in terms of the charts from the fan, from the listener uh, feedback. What has it been like so far for this latest song? Um, it's been amazing. I mean, a lot of people, they're like, this is my favorite song yet, which is which is really I mean, it's really cool to hear. Right. Um, and I obviously I mean, I've, I'm so pumped about it. So I've all, all I've heard is positive, but again, I mean, I'm sure if somebody didn't like it, they wouldn't tell me, <laughs> but, but, uh, but no, it's, it's been, it's been pretty incredible. The reception is like, has been nonstop for the past 10 days, which is, I mean, you know, it feels, it feels like, and when we recorded it too, it kind of felt like a bit of a turning point song just cause it is like so full on and, um, big vocals, big instrument, all that. And it, it just felt like a moment. So to see it be received the way we wanted it to is, is pretty sweet. Awesome. Well, I love to hear that for sure. And another thing that I loved to see is that you recently got the opportunity to return to the live stage. And from what I can see, there's also a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, work into it. So your return one thing that I love to say about the uh, music industry of the entertainment industry is plan for things to not go 
according to plan. And it definitely sounds like this was something that you had to deal with uh, in a Soyuz. Yeah, that is an understatement. Oh my gosh. I, okay. So I was talking to the band and I was like, leave early. It's, it's a long weekend, whatever. And the night before, well, we had already postponed the show because of the fires. So we'd already pushed it a week. And, um, and so we're like, okay, hopefully everything goes well. And I, I had this dream that the band never showed up. And I was like, and it was the weirdest thing. And I told my brother in the morning, I was like, Cole, I literally dreamt that the band didn't show up. He was like, well, what happened? I was like, everybody was just yelling at me on stage, telling me to play a song, but I didn't know what to play. Like, and obviously in your dream, nothing works. Right. And, uh, and so I'm talking to the guys and they're like, yeah, we're stuck in traffic. You know, we might not be there as early as we thought. I'm like, yeah, it's a long weekend. Okay. And then I hear that the, the highway was like so backed up and at a standstill and the, um, like the people driving up and down the line were saying that it was going to be like six hours. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And my keyboard is, is like relaying this information to me. I'm like, my dream is coming true. Am I, am I psychic? Like what is happening? <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm like, oh my gosh. And so probably half an hour later, my drummer shows up and I'm like, I don't know, James, this doesn't help us very much. Me and you, this like, what are we going to do? <laughs> An acoustic guitar and a set of drums. And, uh, and so I'm just like, oh my gosh, what happened to blue? My guitarist. I'm like, is he through? I haven't heard from him, whatever. He made it like just when it was starting to get backed up. So then he rolled up and I'm like, okay, there's three of us. We've got half a band. Let's maybe figure out what we're going to do. And so we started like going through the set list and, you know, we've got some pretty big songs that we do, like all jacked up help from my friends. You can't really do those songs as a three piece band. <laughs> so we're like narrowing it down. And, uh, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we only have like an hour of material here that would sound good with just three of us. And we had like a two hour set plan. So, um, so anyways, so we do that. I'm, I'm panicking, like I'm stressed out all day. And, and I text the guys cause they were, I mean, Ryan and Michael, who's bass player and Ryan who plays every instrument basically. Um, they were so, so good and just like kind of waiting it out. Cause they're like, well, what are we going to do now? Like we could try the other way, but maybe that's backed up too. And, and I'm like, okay, if you guys aren't moving by six 20, cause we went on at six 30. Um, then I was like, just turn around, go home. You're all good. And at six 18, I got a text from Ryan. He was like, we're moving. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh my God. Okay, here we go. And so Ryan and Michael book it all the way. So we're, we do our trio set like an hour of hour of music. And I can see our set list kind of running out. I was like, man, we've got a lot of time left here that we're, we were supposed to fill. And then I get a text saying that they're coming down the hill. So I'm like, okay, we're going to take a break and, uh, and come back to you. And with a full band and the audience was so, I mean, they were on the ride with us. I was telling them the live updates the entire time. So so they hung out the, the whole time we got them set up, which was super cool. I had to change into my party shirt because we were ready to go like full blown. And, uh, and it was basically just like 
call and go. We normally you kind of build your set list in a way that everything's going to flow and and all that, but everything had kind of just gone. Like it just didn't go the way the way it was supposed to. So so I was just I had my um, set list on my iPad. I was like, Hey, here we go into the next song. It was just like, there was no rhyme or reason to what songs we were doing, but we we're just trying to try, trying to get as much in as we could. And it was, it was the most stressful show I've been a part of probably, but it turned out really cool. It was kind of, it was cool to see the audience like be so invested because by the time the full band was there, everybody was just like up on their feet, ready to, ready to dance. And it, it was, it was pretty epic, but also something that I don't know that I would want to relive again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you at all, but either way, I'm glad that the crowd was willing to be a part of it, and I'm glad that you were able to have the opportunity to return to the live stage finally after what I can only imagine was so, so long. Yeah, I know. well, we did a couple shows at Stampede, which was great, but before then, we... um we hadn't pay- played for like almost a year, probably. So yeah, no, it felt good to get back. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I love it. And I have loved this conversation here so far today. Taylor Ray, I have one last question. Are you ready for it? Ready. All right. So we have discussed your growth as an artist, adding a little more sound, a little more production into your music, growing as a songwriter, being able to immerse yourself more in the industry, being able to have more opportunities, being able to work with such incredible talent and otherwise, and finally getting to release these new songs. And what I would like to know is now, over these past two years, how has this time, A, helped you grow as a person, or B, what has it taught you about yourself? Um, I mean, I've definitely learned that I can kill a lot of time on Amazon, but um, I think <laughs> I think as as an artist, <laughs> it's made me figure out. I mean, everybody's been like makes fun of the word pivot now because everybody's like, well, we had to pivot. Um, but but you definitely had to change your focus. Like for me for that time, like after we released the album, it was like, I was just working on booking live show after live show after live show. Cause I feel like that's a lot of where our strength is. I, I think we put on a really energetic, fun live show. So obviously you want to kind of get out there as much as you can. And so I, I think I tend to put the, like the songwriting aspect on the back burner during that time. Whereas with this, I'm like, well, you weren't really booking live shows. You're kind of getting up in the morning going, what should we do? Because all of our shows got canceled. And, uh, and yeah, and I, I really got into co-writing, which I, which I did a bit, but not to the extent that I have been over the past year and a half, two years. Um, so I think that was really cool. I think it, it's also, I mean, it's all relationship building, right? Now you have the ability to, not that you didn't before, but you just didn't as much like, now you have the ability to write with somebody in Nashville from Vancouver, you know, because everybody's on online. So it, I think that was cool. And I think I've, I've learned a lot about writing um, and just kind of like going through the motions with it and, and trying to be the best writer I can without putting the constant pressure of like, I need to write a hit, you know, 
I think, I think that's something that at the start, I was like, I need to write a hit. I need to write a hit. And I just don't think that's how you end up writing a hit. <laughs> very, very true. Right. It's you, you focus so much on it and then that becomes, and then you start to lose focus on why you originally started making music to begin with. Totally. Well, and I think we get so focused on that commercial aspect of it. I'm like, sometimes you need to write a song that's not commercial, but it's just like you write it and you're like, that felt good. You know, it's especially during this time. I mean, a lot of people are like, I don't know, should we write like a drinking song? And I'm like, honestly, I don't really feel like it. <laughs> like, that's not really my vibe right now. I've, I've been stuck in my house for two years and I'm ready to get out. And I, I have so many things that I wanted to do. And, and I think you end up writing a lot about that and writing writing those more like i guess not that drinking songs aren't meaningful there's a time and a place for those those are great but uh but uh i that hasn't really been where i've sat the past couple years so i've been trying not to force that i guess just because i don't i don't think when you force things it doesn't come out like genuine and i think your audience knows that you know absolutely for sure awesome i love these lessons and I also have, like I said, loved this conversation here today, diving behind these latest two singles here today. Hellbent and Are You Still Up on the Desert Tiger podcast. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining me, Taylor. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was fun. Oh, ambush. Thank you for tuning on into this episode of the Deep. He here with me, your host, Colton G, as well as our guest today, Taylor Ray. And you can find both of the singles that we talked about here today, Hellbent and Are You Still Up, over on your favorite music streaming service. When you're there, hit follow to stay up to date with a new music. And you can also follow Taylor Ray on social media to do that as well. You can find a links to do all of these things in the description to this show. And with that, it's time to give Taylor Ray one final roaring DTP thank you. A roaring DTP thank you. Also to Carrie from Bad Parade for setting this interview up. A roaring DTP thank you. To German from YPEditor.com for making everything sound so good. And lastly, but not least, it is another Roaring DTP, thank you to you, the Ambush, for tuning on into this episode of the show. If you've yet to join up with the Am, it's as easy as subscribing to the DTP, and you can also help the show grow by sharing this episode, giving us a five-star review, and by heading on over to DesertTigerMerch.com to copy yourself something to represent and support the show. The best part is... Looking is a free. It's DesertTigerMerch.com. And with that, it's about time that we say our bye-byes, but not before I tell you to find your roar and then let it out into the world. Let them know just how fierce and mighty you and your roar are, you and your dreams. And until next time, Ambush, bye The Desert Tiger Podcast. <laughs>